I'm Sam. I'm Ashley. And we are the hosts of the Creep Show Chronicles podcast. And you're listening to Sinister Sightings with Donna and Carrie. Stay creepy. And don't get scared. Bye. Bye. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 189. And you just heard from our Patreoners, Sam, and her co-host for their podcast, Ashley. If you want to introduce an episode just like them, or, you know, like you always hear us say, you want all the content that they're getting, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, jumping on in. Hello, beautiful humans. My story is about the time my cousin and I were nearly kidnapped. In 1988, I was six and my cousin was seven. Yes, I'm that old and no, the dinosaurs didn't die off in the 80s, as my niece would say. Anyway, we were sitting on her front porch eating popsicles and pretending to be mermaids when there was a car that kept circling the block. It'd gone around a few times before it stopped in front of her house. He yelled at us from the window asking if we knew where someplace was. We ignored him. We knew what stranger danger was. He asked us to come to the car, saying he didn't think we could hear him. He said he had some puppies and was looking for a house where someone wanted one. He then asked if we wanted to see the puppies. Oh, hell no. We were little, but we weren't stupid. He slid over a little and opened the passenger door, trying to coax us into seeing his puppies. My uncle, who was right inside the door that was open because air conditioning wasn't a necessity yet, and who lets little girls hang out unattended next to a busy road anyway, heard him and came barreling out of the house. This man quickly sped off and my uncle ran after him with a giant wrench in his hand. He never caught the man, but that man didn't lend himself two little victims that day either. Apparently, this wasn't the first time someone tried to kidnap me. When I was a baby, my mom had me at a local amusement park and some lady kept following her around asking to hold me and trying to take me out of her arms. The park security made the woman leave the premises. The 80s were wild, y'all. Anyway, stay well and creep it real. And be careful of weirdos trying to sell you puppies on a busy street out the side of his car. Christy. You can use my name. It's a nickname anyway. Sad story. My dad wanted to name me something else and his mom hated it. So she bought a dog right before I was born and named her dog the same name just so he couldn't name his child after a dog. Women born in the 30s didn't play around. That is savage AF. Yeah. Yeah. I've been so pissed. The amount of petty to have to deal with a dog for like 10 plus years potentially just so that a kid wouldn't be named that. Yeah. I wonder what the name was. Did she buy the dog from that guy? (laughs) Too soon, Donna. (laughs) Also, he was using the abduct little girl's guide. Hey, can y'all help me? I also have puppies. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was say, my arm's broken. (laughs) I'm friends with your dad. Meanwhile, you share two stories of people wanting you. No one wants me. Okay, that is terrible logic. I know. It was but a that's joke. that's the that's like the fat girl in you. Be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he wanted me. <laughs> He's a serial killer, ma'am. I tell you, with my personality, they'd be like, and I, oop, you're going right back here. They'd be like, you're way too attached, way too early. We haven't even hit the red light yet. They're like, she must have had Stockholm. Nope, that's just her personality. <laughs> You're not wrong. But in all seriousness, I'm glad y'all were safe. And then not so serious, what kind of popsicles were y'all eating? 
the next one. Hi, Carrie and little Donna and the beautiful creepsters. So I have a few stories I've been saving up to share with you all. So here goes. Please call me Blanche for these. The first one is Pet Cemetery and the Bruised Ass. So a bit of backstory for you all. I'm in the military. Side note, my favorite quote from the Golden Girls is Dorothy telling Blanche to back off. Not all of us are classified by the Navy as a friendly port. I'm still waiting to use that line on someone. Anyway, a few years ago when I was posted to a ship, I had a bit of downtime after dinner and was laying in my rack, the bed, reading Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. This ship, by the way, had some history and wasn't a new ship. It had a feel about it like someone was watching you, or at least that's how I felt. So anyway, the rack I was in was part of a six-pack where there's two triple bunks sitting next to each other with a small walkway between them. Sorry if I'm over-explaining. I'm laying in my middle rack and one of my cabin buddies is getting ready for shower and bed in the neighboring middle rack. This shipmate goes to have a shower and leaves her rack light on. No problems. Anyway, I'm up to the part where, this is a spoiler alert, the reanimated Gage has just killed Judd and his mother in the house and the father is discovering it, aka the creepiest part of the book. So here I am, nighttime on a creepy ship, minimal lighting, and right when I get to the spookiest part of the book, the bloody light in the neighboring rack starts flickering on and off randomly. I jumped out of my rack so damn quick, I had a bruise on the side of my ass for weeks. I ran up out of the mess deck and out onto the flight deck to get fresh air. That book got put on hold for the remainder of the trip. I ended up reading a true crime book instead. Less scary, apparently. And that damn light never flickered again. Nautical demons be interrupting my downtime. Story number two, don't fuck with my sleep. This story happened on a military base which had been around for over a hundred years. I'm sure in that time that there has been a scattering of deaths on the base with accidents and suicides. I know at least one incident during the Second World War where at least 30 people were killed, but I'm not sure that my experience was a ghost. At that time, I was fairly young and living on base. I've had encounters with ghosts before, some of which I'll talk about in later stories, so it's not like I'm particularly scared or unfamiliar with the feeling of the paranormal, but this was different. The base accommodation consisted of communal and unisex toilets and showers for all enlisted ranks. The cabins were small, but had everything you need, bed, desk, chair, fridge, and cupboards. Think studio apartment minus the bathroom and the kitchen. My room had a great view of the dry dock and the harbor, so I couldn't complain. I lived there for just over a year, and it was maybe six months in that I felt like I was being watched every time I showered. Wouldn't close my eyes to wash my hair and would never turn my back on the shower door. And on my way back down the hallway, maybe 100 meters walk from the showers to my cabin, I always felt the urge to move as fast as I could in wet thongs, flip-flops, because I had that feeling of being followed. Once I got in my cabin and shut the door, I felt fine again. I really just thought I was being dramatic until one night. I don't recall the time, but it was after midnight, the early hours. I slept with the blind half open to get some light from the dry dock coming in so my room was never fully dark. Having two sisters, this was the first time I've had a room to myself in my entire life. So I wake up because I hear someone whisper my name, only once in my ear. 
I realize that I can't move and the room is pitch black. I'm talking can't see the shadows black. And I know I've left my blind half open before when I went to sleep that night because I'm OCD like that and wouldn't have gone to sleep if it wasn't perfectly lined up to a ledge. Thanks, military. I felt a stinging pain on my belly and rib cage, and I don't know how long this goes on for, but I'm terrified with no idea what's happening to me. I must have drifted off to sleep afterwards and woke up the next morning perfectly fine with the sun coming through the window. About half an hour after waking, I remember it happening and I go to look in the mirror at my stomach and there are six claw mark scratches, three on each side, on my stomach, just under my breast where I had felt the pain. I tried everything to replicate in case I'd scratched myself in my sleep. It's happened before, but nothing matched. I freaked out. I deployed very shortly after and was relieved to be out of that base. I've been back since and always have that feeling. Story number three, police officer ghost. Backstory to start off with, I'm in Australia. My dad is a police officer, so my siblings and I grew up in many old police houses as we moved every three to four years. It was such a great childhood, and now I know most of the state as I've lived in a lot of rural places. My dad's a country cop. I think the smallest place we lived had a population of about 150 people and dirt streets. The main street was bitumen because we're fancy. Pretty sure I messed up that word. I'm so sorry. The largest place I live had a population of about 330 with one pub and four churches. Town so small that when it came time for my driving test, I had to pretend the give way sign was a stop sign. Cue banjo. One of the houses we lived in was built in the mid-1800s with the police station attached to the side of the residence and the prison cells in the backyard that had been relocated there in the late 1800s from another station that had closed down. This station and most of the ones my dad worked at were called One Manners, where he was the only cop there and for the radius of about 50-60 kilometers So we'd get all sorts coming to the house at all hours of the night. Most drunken locals wanting a lift home, which dad usually did to make sure they got home safe. I know, he's the best. Anyway, in 1893, there is a huge flood in the area. The police officer, John, went into a flooded creek to save some pigs from drowning. And although he saved the pigs, he wound up with rheumatic fever. He died at the age of 30 on February 21st. 1893 in the bedroom that would be my parents room and was buried just up the road in what used to be the police horse paddock the headstone is still there to this day fast forward to the early 2000s and my family and i moved to this town with dad taking over from my uncle my mom's brother also a police officer we're a blue family it doesn't take long for my parents to notice something isn't right They see things in their peripheral vision, hear footsteps, and smell tobacco smoke. They bring it up in conversation with my uncle and auntie who say, oh yeah, we had that, but we weren't sure if it was just us. Anyway, the old station, before the new station was built onto the house, was in my big sister's room. I remember my parents hounding her about the tobacco smoke coming from her room when she was maybe 15. They'd sat her down and went into full Gestapo interrogation about tobacco smoke. She denied until she was blue in the face. As it turns out, after a bit of research, John liked to smoke cigars during work. Damn ghost almost got my big sister grounded. 
My parents didn't say anything about John to us kids because they didn't want us freaking out or being scared in our home. They didn't need to tell us, though, because we'd all individually either seen him, heard him, or smelt tobacco. Once my parents clued in that we knew, they set us down and they told us John was a policeman who passed away. He's good and he looks after us when dad is working. This was all we needed to hear and John became someone we openly addressed and talked to. It felt nice to know that someone was looking after us kids and mom when dad was off working. Some of the things John did was that we'd see him walking from the cells to the side gate towards what used to be another police paddock. We'd see glimpses of him moving from his station to the bedroom. You'd hear footsteps on the wooden floorboards only to look up and have no one there. You'd be watching TV with your back to the hallway and feel someone there and then you'd smell the smoke. As much as we were happy he was a friendly ghost, it was still very uncomfortable being by yourself as a kid in the house. I moved out of home in 2011 and my family moved away in 2012 to a new town. But my experiences with John have set me up to accept the paranormal and know that not all ghosts are scary. P.S. I have more stories to come. Tell me why my favorite part of that whole thing was, uh, he's a country cop. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's just the way you said it, Donna. He's a country cop. And literally had hardly anything to do with the story. And that was my takeaway. <laughs> but also, though, that's scary. Him being the only police officer for like 50 kilometers, whatever that is, in miles. Oh, my gosh. To keep the peace somewhere, to protect people. That's a lot. Look, I've already got more gray hair than I ever have from stress and everything else. I would be completely bald. Also, those are some tiny towns that y'all lived in. And you know we want you to send those in. You know, those stories they alluded to? Thanks, Carrie. You know. Okay, the next one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. My name's Dylan, and I'm 14. And my mom and I have listened to your podcast for about three years. I don't know what else to say, so I'm going to tell you the story. My mom took her friend, her friend's daughter, and I to Oak Alley Plantation, August of 2021. Best month ever. So it was four girls sharing two beds in a haunted plantation. We chose the oldest cottage, and I'm pretty sure there's been ghost hunters that stayed there. It's very, very old. We toured the house, which was beautiful, but there was a room called the Lavender Room. It's closed off and hasn't been touched since the wife died in it. She was very depressed after her family died. When we got next to the Lavender Room, I got an uneasy feeling. Freaked me the heck out. On the way back from the tour, we walked to the cottage. My mom and I stayed behind. We were mid-conversation, And we heard a growl. So naturally, we turned around. There was nothing there. So we looked at each other like, you heard that too. And started speed walking back to the cottage. That night, my mom and her friend heard a loud bang. So they got up because they thought maybe one of us had fallen off the bed. Both of us were sound asleep. They brushed it off and went back to bed. That night, they heard bangs and footsteps all night. The cottage gave me an uneasy feeling. Sadly, Oak Alley was destroyed by Hurricane Laura, but we did enjoy our stay. Man, hurricanes ruin everything. They really do. That lavender room, it reminds me of a story I did where the lady of the house was sad after people had passed, but she loved a lavender and that's the perfume that she wore. And so they called it the lavender room, but I don't think I ever did that plantation. I was going to say it kind of sounded like a story you did, but um, you know my memory shit. Everybody's like, we know. (laughs) Okay, the next one. 
Hey, Creepsters. First of all, like everyone else, I'm going to show my love and gratitude for y'all's show. It's the right mix of spooky and true crime. Anyways, I'm going to try and keep this somewhat short. My grandma recently passed away and she was my everything. She and my aunt raised me and we are all very close. I had flown back and forth from Oklahoma to California several times since I moved to spend time with her as she was fighting a very aggressive cancer. The last time I flew back home, I felt like I was being pulled to do so, like somehow I just knew this was the last time I would be able to see her. I didn't expect for my hunch to be right, but followed my gut anyway. I booked my ticket three weeks before her passing. I got there just in time and she passed the next day. So on to the point of my story. You know how it's common for people that are crossing over to see their already past loved ones? Well, my grandma was seeing people who were still alive. I was on the airplane and had just touched down when I texted my aunt. My aunt told me that during the time I was touching down, my grandma said to her, someone fun is here. And my aunt said who, and she guessed my deceased mom, my grandma's daughter, and she replied, Ashley, me, with a loving smile. Then that evening, she was brought home to pass peacefully in my aunt's home. I was sitting by her side, and my grandma explained to me that my daughter, who was five, and I had left with my husband, was sitting on my lap with me, and she was smiling. Then she proceeded to tell me my daughter's connection and wisdom is so strong. It really interested me. She was having almost premonitions instead of what you normally hear about people who are transitioning out of this world. Not really spooky, but wanted to share. Also, my grandma's last words were, y'all are a bunch of vultures. (laughs) (laughs) As we were standing around her, and I just found that so perfect and funny as her personality was that of a spitfire. Thanks for reading, Ashley. I just picture this old lady, but like still has like the costume jewelry on. Yes. And stuff. (laughs) Y'all are a bunch of vultures. When my sister passed, she didn't say anything like that. But my dad, he was talking to people. I mean, my dad was, but it was because of his medicine. The antifungal he was on was like making him hallucinate and stuff. Mm. So it was like a whole different bag, you know. Okay, the next one. Creepy ass doll sinister sightings. Hey, ladies, I love your podcast so much. I found you two a few months ago and have been an avid listener ever since. You both crack me up, as many others have said. You feel like friends I've always known. Now that the fangirling is out there, let me get to the stories. I have three to share today. To me, they are three that have stuck in my mind and body for years, and I will never forget them. The first story is about some creepy-ass dolls. It takes place in a small coastal town in Washington State around 2008-2009. My family had just moved into my great-grandparents' home, who had passed away a few years prior. It was a big Victorian-style home with a main floor with big front windows, a top floor that used to be used as the attic, but was remodeled to become three small bedrooms and a shitty little bathroom. And finally, there was a creepy basement, which became our playroom slash kids' living room. It was fully carpeted with the 70s orange shag carpet, had built-in benches and shelves on one side of the room, a creepy three-foot-tall crawlspace on the other wall, and a creepy crawlspace on the other side of the room right next to where we had our TV. To get to the basement, you had to venture and risk your life down these super steep, spiral-ish stairs that were carpeted but still super sharp on the edges. Believe me, if you slightly stepped wrong, you'd be falling down those bitches. At the bottom of the stairs was our laundry room that had its own little creepy-ass bathroom attached. 
The bathroom was all green tile that was super dirty and the shower door was glass. It was one of those old-fashioned washrooms that the people had to wash off the dirt before entering the house. But it always gave me a super creepy vibe. All these details matter, I promise. So as I mentioned, the basement was fucking sketchy. Everything my grandparents had owned was gone except for one glass case full of old porcelain dolls. My grandma, their daughter, had wanted my sister and I to keep the dolls because they were her mom's, though my sister and I both thought they were weird. The cabinet was locked from the time we moved in. No way to open it. We just had to walk by the creepy-ass dolls all the time when we went down there. And trust me, we tried to get that thing open many times to no avail. One day, when I came home from school, I headed down to the basement to watch a little TV. But going down there felt strange this day. It was colder than usual, and I got an eerie feeling. As I rounded the corner into the living room area of the basement where the TV was, I saw that doll cabinet door was open, fully open, and one of the dolls was gone. I fucking almost pissed my pants. It was so scary. I have never seen this thing open. I was home alone at the time, waiting for my sister, who would be there in about an hour. I booked it the fuck out of there and up the stairs as fast as I could without falling, with a feeling like I was being watched. As soon as I got to the top of the stairs, I heard the shower turn on in the basement. And my stupid ass, curious as a cat, thought, hmm, I better check it out. So I turned back and slowly made my way down the stairs once more. When I made it to the laundry room door, the shower was off. Maybe I just imagined it. But it was so loud and echoing in that little creepy tiled bathroom, so so I don't know how that would be possible to imagine. I walked into the laundry room bathroom, opened up the creaky glass shower door, And there before me was the missing doll from the cabinet, hanging by her hair that was wrapped around a bar that went across the shower to hang shoes on. I screamed and flew back up the stairs again. Scared out of my mind, I went up to my room to wait for my sister, vowing to not go down there until I wasn't alone. My sister got home an hour later, and of course, I had to tell her all about it. But she was being curious and wanted to see for herself. I went down to the bathroom, but the doll was no longer there. I was confused. What the fuck? Am I going crazy? So we walked back into the basement room and saw that the cabinet was now shut. The doll was in her place and everything, but her hair was messed up and the key that used to be stuck in the lock was gone. I'll never know what really happened that day, but I still feel the fear in my body when I think about that house and those creepy ass dolls. The second story. This one's about my little sister and the demon that kept her from sleeping soundly for eight months when she was nine years old. I have two sisters. One is my full sister, same mom, same dad. We're two years apart. We'll call her C. I'm the oldest, and my other sister is my half-sister, same dad, different mom. Let's call her M. C and I both lived full-time with our mom, and we would visit our dad and M every other weekend. We lived about two hours away from our dad and M. I would call my dad to talk every once in a while, and I would FaceTime M. One day, I called my dad to chat, and he told me that M had been acting strange for a few weeks. She would be normal all the way until it was bedtime when she would flip and start crying endlessly when my dad would tuck her in, in her room, which used to be mine and C's room before she was born. I always used to have a creepy feeling in there, too. He said she would literally cry for hours, and he would go in to check on her, and she would still be crying. The only way she would be able to sleep is to go outside of her room and sleep on the floor in the hallway outside of her parents' room. He told me this went on for weeks on end, and when he'd wake up to go to the bathroom at night, he would always find her on the hallway floor. 
He would carry her back to bed and she would instantly wake up crying. This went on for quite a while. Every time I talked to my dad, he would tell me it was still happening. He told me something even freakier was happening. About a month after the crying and the hallway sleeping, she started ripping out her eyelashes one by one in the mirror before bedtime. Then she started doing it to her hair and she would pinch her own arms. At this point, we were all freaked out and confused. She had always been such a good sleeper and not afraid of the dark or anything else for that matter. She was the bravest little girl, fearless. She was a gymnast and a great one at that, winning first and second place in her competitions. In the summer of that year, after it had been happening to her for seven months at this point, our family had planned to get together at our shared family cabin on the Oregon coast. I was excited to finally be able to see Em in person and talk to her about what was happening. She wouldn't talk to my dad or her mom about anything, and she wouldn't give them a reason as to why she was so scared to be in her room. I knew something was up, and me being a believer in all things creepy and metaphysical, I knew I'd be able to get it out of her. The story, that is. The first night we were there, I told Em she could sleep in the big bed with me. She was happy that she didn't have to sleep alone for once and agreed. As we were laying there, I started asking her questions. I asked her, so Em, why have you been so scared at night? At first, all she said was, I can't tell you. No one will believe me. And I said, I will believe you. I will listen. You can tell me. After a few moments, she whispered, I see things. A chill went down my spine when she said that. So I said, what things? And she said, I think they're dead. This made me shiver. I could feel goosebumps on my arms. Why do you think that? I asked. I hear them too in the daytime. Oh, fuck this, I thought. I've seen too many scary movies for this, but I had to know more. What do you hear? I asked her, honestly intrigued. They tell me things about myself, she said softly. Like what? I asked. They tell me that I'm ugly and no one loves me and that I'll get hurt. This broke my heart. My sweet little nine-year-old sister telling me this was so unreal. That's not true at all. You're beautiful and so loved. I love you so much. And your mommy and daddy and C love you too. But she continued to tell me more. He watches me in the daytime, but I can't see him. I can only hear him whispering to me. And at night, he comes. It was dark in the room, but my eyes were as wide as they could go. I was terrified by this. What does he look like? I asked. Honestly, not wanting to know, though. He wears a long black coat, and he has a red face with black eyes. What the fuck? I screamed in my head. That sounds like a goddamn demon to me if I've never heard of one. I know she wasn't making this up. She had never even seen a horror movie in her life. Her mom was way too strict to let her watch anything outside of Disney. He stands in my closet and points at me and says my name over and over again, she said, her voice trembling with fear. I tried my best to comfort her. I hugged her and told her she was safe. But just as I said that, she got tense and said, he's here right now, right by the window. I was frozen with fear, but I thought to turn on the light. Then I got up and turned on the light, and she said he was still there watching us. I was raised Christian, so my first thought in that moment was to pray, but I knew that M had never even heard of Jesus as her mom is an atheist. So I took it upon myself to tell her the story of Jesus and had her ask Jesus into her heart so that she could call on him and her angels to guard and protect her. She did so, and a moment later, she told me he was gone, and when she closed her eyes, she could see bright whiteness. After that trip, her sleeping habits went back to normal, and she stopped ripping out her eyelashes and hair. My dad said it was like it never happened. Em told me that anytime she feels scared, she would pray and instantly feel safe. 
To this day, that's the creepiest thing I've ever encountered or heard. And I'm happy my little sister got some peace from that crazy time. Thank you for listening. I hope this makes it on the show. Love you girls. Jaden from Idaho. That breaks my heart that she was hearing anything. You know, those negative thoughts, those negative words. Gosh, at nine years old. And for that first story, just the mention of those spiralish stairs. Yeah, see, that's where being fat saves me because I know I can't fit up those. So I'm just going to stay right here. I remember this place that my dad used to work had them and I thought they were so cool. But one time my dad fell down them and he had like really bad knees from football. And I was so scared that he hurt his knees you know, that I was like, yeah. don't like those. Okay. Like, don't like those stairs anymore. That's scary as fuck, though, about your little sister. Well, I'm glad that she had you to talk to and everything. Did um her mom get pissed, though? Oh, yeah. About praying and stuff. With all she was going through, they probably said anything to make her feel better. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hi, I'm Lydia, and I just started listening to you guys, and you are so funny. And I love hearing all the stories. I have one of my own I'd like to share. One time in middle school, I decided to have a bunch of friends over to hang out. We thought it would be so much fun to watch scary movie trailers and jump scares on YouTube. We were very much terrified after as the night went on and everyone was leaving. I was walking my friends out of my house. Then I went to go turn off the lights. I barely touched the light switch and every single light in my basement started to flicker on and off. I quickly ran up the stairs screaming to all my friends and for a second they didn't believe me but they saw the lights and it was terrifying but it has never happened again. Meanwhile insert that meme where it's like the guy at the uh, fuse box and it's like my sister and her friends are watching scary movies and he's like flipping (laughs) it in the fuse box. Yeah. (laughs) So um you got a brother because bet. (laughs) I'm really glad that your friends were still there though. So you could scream and be like, come look at this. And it just makes you feel a little bit more calm. Because like if they had already all left by the time you saw that and then just having to be there by yourself, no thank you. Okay, the next one. Small town murders. I wrote in the end of 2021 about some weird things that had happened in my new house. Nothing new has happened with my house, thank goodness. But I've had some things weighing on me from my middle school years. This case is public knowledge, and I feel like small-town murders don't get a lot of attention. So here it goes. It was the summer of 2012, and India Collins walked into her home and saw her sister, Carmen Collins, packing to run away. It's important to note that Carmen had run away multiple times before. Every time, India tried to stop her. Carmen got upset because India was trying to talk her into staying home and not running away. India threatened to call their parents. Carmen then went to their parents' room and retrieved her father's 40 caliber handgun and chased India around the home with a gun. She shot India in the back five times before putting the final shot into her while standing over her. Carmen then went to the shed and retrieved two gas cans and lit the house on fire, trying to make it look like India was caught in the blaze and that was the cause of death. Carmen fled with the family dog to Columbus. Carmen was caught and questioned. She initially said she had nothing to do with it. Then the evidence piled up. She took a plea for murder and arson. She would have faced felony murder, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime, burglary, and auto theft. 
She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 30 years. She'll be eligible for parole in 2043. India was only 13 when she was robbed by someone she trusted. I have three sisters and I cannot imagine doing anything like this. India was a friend to everyone she met. She was a light in this awful world. I hope she's resting in peace. I cried writing this because India was a friend of mine, and I remember hearing all of this and just breaking down. My middle school planted a weeping willow in remembrance of her. I hope this sheds much-needed light on murders between siblings. It was over something so small. Thank you, ladies, for making a place where people can be vulnerable and not be scared to share their stories. Creep it real. Love, Erin from Small Town, Georgia. Oh, my gosh. That is awful. Like, how does it escalate to that? Over something so minuscule, like, you okay, you just go then. You know, just fucking leave. Like, you don't have to do that. Just yeah. leave. It's not like she was, like, standing in the doorway, like, waving her arms, like, can't get past me. Right. And even if she was, you have to have another door. Just go out that one. You made the decision to walk in that room, get the gun, and shoot her. There's other ways to get past her that don't involve murder. Yes, I will say I'm happy that she took the dog because that would have just been extra sadness on this terrible story. Like you said, I can't even imagine doing that to any of my siblings. To Well, anyone, period. Much less one of my siblings. Right. Okay, last one. Scream. Or, ah! Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told me to. Uh-huh. Hey, ladies, I haven't written in a while, but I still listen religiously, and I was watching episode two of Roseanne, and oh my God, does she remind me of the two of you. I was cracking up because I could totally picture Carrie joking with Colby about the bills and Donna trying to run away with the perfume she wasn't supposed to buy. No shade, I love the show and the two of you. Anyway, since this is my partner's favorite childhood show, I figured I would share a spooky story of his from when he was a kid. He was 10 years old and Scream just came out in theaters. He loved scary movies, so he was naturally dying to see it. Well, his mom wouldn't let him because she said he was too young. He was so mad and they fought for two weeks before he finally told her he was going to see it anyway. He went with a friend and got home late at night after everyone went to bed. He snuck into the house and quietly went into his bed. After a second, he started feeling really uneasy and like something was watching him. I bet he was really regretting not listening to his mom. He looked towards his closet and the scream mask was staring back at him. He screamed and ran out of his room to tell his mom and dad. Yeah, it turns out they already knew because his mom had planted it there. On top of that, the reason she wouldn't let him see the movie and why she fought with him for two weeks in the first place is because the mask was sold out everywhere. (gasps) Okay, so maybe this story isn't super spooky, but another fun fact is that he always starts this one off with, yeah, so my mom's a psycho. She scared him and his siblings all the time as kids, but funnily enough, can't handle getting scared for the life of her. Thanks so much for all you do, and I always love listening to you both. Love, Monica, from Maine, since there's already one from California. P.S. What's it like in the future? I ask because at the rate of sinister sightings right now, you'll be reading this in 2025, (laughs) and I'm writing it in 2022. Yeah, you're never running out of stories. (laughs) Well, I can still have the fear, okay? Who is their mom? Tiffany? Can dish it and can't take it? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
<laughs> and also, uh, look, Dan and Roseanne are so me and Colby. Yes, they are. And I am good with that because I always had a crush we on old Dan his Carter. hands. God, his hands. I know. Oh, my God. I've always had a crush on, on Dan Connor. Although in this new one, like on the show, The Connors, I legit Googled it. And there's a Reddit thread on like why John Goodman is talking the way he's talking. Like it's almost like his dentures are too big. Like he's doing something different with his mouth. Like some people are like, did he have a stroke? Is he like, because he's lost so much weight? Is it from like his dentures don't fit or something? Unsure. If y'all know, tell me. But I still love him and them. Meanwhile, I wasn't allowed to watch that as a kid. I didn't ever watch it. Well, see, remember, I don't know if you remember in the night, I guess it was the 90s, late 90s, I mean, early 90s, when um, she sang the national anthem, Roseanne, and like, butchered it. My parents were like, it's so unpatriotic, you can't watch that show. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Any, anybody else? No, just me? Cool. (laughs) Colby never watched any sitcoms growing up, like, still doesn't. Like, he would put on a movie and like, cook or whatever whereas i'm like let me put on a sitcom Mm -hmm. but i did get him to watch all of roseanne and he loved it y'all know i have a deep rooted fear of running out of these damn stories we're getting kind of low don't tell me that (laughs) she's in charge of managing this so uh we could have 700 in the backlog and i'd have have that no i know but i'm saying like i would have no clue we could have four and i would have no clue but i'm like we're gonna run out Uh, so y'all please send them in we don't want carrie to i have enough anxieties in my life this does not need to be one of them (laughs) y'all like she said send them in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com and remember creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared